Cosmic Pleasure Podcast. I'm your host, Amy D. Thompson from amydintuitive.com. I'm an intuitive mentor, tantrika, energy healer, writer focused on topics of body, mind, soul, and sex. In this podcast, we discuss topics on discovering, developing, and embodying our limitless pleasure potential in this lifetime. We cover topics of sexual empowerment, spiritual development, energy medicine, mindfulness, and holistic health and wellness. This podcast is for the modern day human looking to open their heart and mind to the limitless potential of pleasure in life, love, and of course, sex. Enjoy. Today we have Lauren Barber on the podcast and Lauren holds space for women to journey back home to their heart, their soul, their inner wisdom through human design, sacred business, yoga, meditation, journaling, and a medley of other tools and techniques. She is a mother, writer, mentor, speaker, and creative alchemist who combines earthy, grounded, and practical solutions with the sprinkling of magic and mysticism. Lauren is a multifaceted human devoted to sharing the messy truth of life and creating safe spaces for others to show up in their wholeness. And I love that. I love your work. I love that we connected many years ago now through social media and um, a mutual friend, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. And I love that with social media that you can always kind of um, connect with people that you wouldn't usually. So yeah, I'm very grateful to have you on today. So thank you for joining me. (laughs) Oh, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Yay. I'm so excited about this. So first of all, I would love if you could share with us a little bit of your backstory. How did you find yourself journeying onto the path of soul work? Oh, that is that is a big, big question. Yeah. <laughs> I could probably be a whole podcast episode yeah. in itself. Um, I think probably the the main like anchor points really for me or the main message messengers to kind of journeying back to like remembering myself um and on this kind of journey of of soul work is like my teachers have been a lot of health issues I suppose and Mm -hmm. anxiety um and I guess just a disconnection from from my soul and like Mm -hmm. this long longing to like feel something or to kind of come back to a a place of wholeness I suppose and there's all and there always being like a piece missing or just like this feeling like okay there's more there's more or something's not quite aligned so it's been it's been a roller coaster really it started with like I, I worked, um, had my own business from from my early twenties. I was working with horses before that. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and then I um, I kind of had uh, quite a few health issues, and my anxiety reached like a peak um, in mm. my late twenties, around kind of Saturn returns time. Mm. Um, and it was like this, yeah, just a bit of an awakening. And I just went through lots of different processes, and I, I've kind of just 
journey since then really to be honest by following my curiosities and studying different modalities looking into different ways of supporting myself but also then supporting others because I seem to I learn the best when I'm teaching others it kind of integrates yeah. I'm the same more. I'm exactly the same yeah <laughs> um so yeah it, you know it's I think every every experience has that I've been through be that issues with my, my menstrual cycle and pregnancy and motherhood and relationships and everything yeah is a is a calling and a, a like an I guess a an potential or a possibility to return deeper and deeper back to soul and so yeah that's a very very kind of broad no I, I totally explaining get it, it. <laughs> I just love I love connecting with um like-minded individuals that have also been you know I there's this idea that spirituality is all like fairy and rainbows and it's so the opposite and that's why I love to kind of get deep into I mean I'm a scorp so I love getting into the deep dark spaces of where we cracked open and I think it, you know we are like onions in a sense that we're you know every time we think we've tackled some life lesson there's like another one to like um another one revealed to us so yeah I just love love learning about people's life stories I think they're really cool mm -hmm. um so talking about menstrual cycles um being a woman myself diagnosed with PCOS and endometriosis I was warned by doctors that I personally may struggle to conceive or may not even be able to, which as it turned out, was far from the truth. And pre-baby, I remember listening to a podcast that you spoke on and um, one of your stories really inspired me um, having doctors kind of tell me these, these like negative stories about um, fertility. And um, it was a story that you shared about conceiving your little girl Sophia after a long time struggle with menstrual issues. Would you share about this journey and what it taught you? Mm, yeah, so I had hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is basically my I lost my period for mm -hmm. four years. And there was no, there was nothing like no obvious reason. I, you know, I went to the doctors, I had various scans, I had tests and like things they you know were looking at things and there was nothing obvious and they kept just saying like go on the pill and I was like no I came, yeah. I came off the pill when I was I, I was on the pill until I was about 24 and then for, like intuitively I was like no I need mm. to this isn't right for yeah. me and so this was quite a long time after that so it wasn't linked to that well not directly linked to that mm. um and so they just were like well you know if you want to conceive them will you know you'll be fast-tracked through to fertility treatment and that kind of thing and and I I kind of yeah when Sophia was conceived I didn't even know it was possible do you know what like it wasn't um I I really think because my periods were still so irregular they were kind of mm -hmm. like 50 50 between like 45 and 55 day cycles at that point they had my period had returned about a year before I conceived Sophia yeah um and um I think what it taught me the most was the importance for me I still never I still do not know exactly mm. like the reasons that caused that I think there was a there was many different factors but yeah. ultimately I feel like when I when I had started really deeply 
working on restorative practices and yoga nidra and I was um like really working on my nervous system Mm. that's when my periods returned and I think as I'm I'm a I'm very sensitive I have a very sensitive nervous system yeah um and so anything can throw things off center um and so I think what it taught me really was to be very very aware of nervous system support which has now become like a core foundation of my work and my offerings and the way I work with others and so it was a real gift to just to see the power of actually when I started to work on that side of me which was was not through yes there was an element of kind of nourishing my body with um you know nutrition but not like Mm. overly obsessing about it um but it, I really do truly believe that it was like only when I actually let my body know that it was safe yes. to, for my reproductive system to kind of kick back in yeah. um, that it was possible. So, yes. yeah, it kind of it was um, and the most I mean, I still call, you know, think of it as a, is very miraculous. Like it was mm. a real miracle. And, and she was definitely like meant to be. And she mm. she needed she wanted to come in. She had yeah. a she's got a mission on this earth I'm sure of it (laughs) and I I just love that because I I mean and I know and I don't want to like put this misconception out there that we're saying that you know people with infertility issues um you know that they can be saved from just slowing down like that's definitely not what we're promoting but I think it's, it's so important to kind of encourage um encourage other women that are like us that have had potential reproductive issues but have had faith and I guess had faith in our bodies, had faith in ourselves. that, and a huge element of surrender. Cause I know for me personally, when I conceived Sky, um, like I wanted a baby, but it did come as a surprise. Cause I had told myself these stories that oh, I've got PCOS, I've got endo. I'll probably have to try for like five, 10 years. And then I'll probably, you know, won't even happen. And it happened, honestly, the first time we kind of joked around, tried, we were a bit irresponsible. So um, I think, but I had, I had also done a lot of work on myself. Um, I, you know, I do a lot of womb work. I do a lot of period mm. work. I do a lot of um, work of the feminine. And and like you say, it's almost like, yeah, managing our nervous systems, mind management, and being aware of where our thoughts are taking us and what we're choosing to believe, but also dropping it more into that yin energy. Because I think even as, as, the fem- well, as females, we can find ourselves in that masculine energy and that re- especially when we want something, you know, we really like push to get it. We're really like trying to get pregnant, you know, like we've got to be mm. really proactive. And it's only when we really can soften ourselves, I think, and really kind of almost have that element of acceptance that if it's for us, it will, it kind of often will come in a little bit easier I think but yeah I just Mm. loved that story I think it really it really gave me hope when I was a little bit um concerned that I personally couldn't conceive but yeah thank you for sharing that that's amazing um okay so this is not a birth podcast but I love talking about birth um how it went and how it how it worked how it didn't work and how it went to plan or how it didn't and what you learned from it as I think normalizing birth and all of its twists and turns can really help others 
For me, I often say that birth is the most intensely grueling meditation you will ever experience, constantly guiding the mind away from fear and back into the soul space of surrendering to it all. Um, and I personally believe if you can allow yourself to do this, to step away from the fear, it definitely, well, in my experience anyway, went a lot smoother. Um, when I started to panic, it would get harder. When I started, when I kind of was able to be strong enough to step away from the fear, it went a lot smoother. But how was birth for you? And were what were some of your big life lessons that you took from the portal that is birth? Oh, wow. I mean, it, it really is a portal, isn't it? Um, yeah. So my um, Sophia's birth um, did not basically went pretty much completely the opposite to mm-hmm. my birth inverted commas plan. plan. I think I read that yeah. on one of your things, <laughs> but I actually loved that because I think like mine went relatively to plan. I had a little couple of hiccups, but I really wanted to talk to you about this because I love to hear how <laughs> when it didn't go to plan, how did it go for me for you and what did you learn? Yeah, yeah. So um I was planning a home birth. Yeah. Um and I had a water, like I had a, a birth pool blown up in my yeah little house mm-hmm. um I had everything you know like I had done all the hypnobirthing I had um you know I'd I'd read like some very I'd not read a huge amount but I'd read enough mm-hmm. to feel like empowered around birth yeah and I but I always always remained completely open I was like this is my preference but I also am like completely like I trust Sophia in that she knows how she needs to be born yeah um and so I ended up um, basically kind of having like a five or it was like five, six day labor. Um, obviously, oh, wow. the first bit was like slower. Mm-hmm. But what was happening is like I was contracting overnight. Yeah. Um, in te- like intensively enough that I couldn't really sleep or rest. And then yes. the contractions would stop in the day. Yeah. And this went on for a few days and I got to kind of like, I think it started on the Tuesday night and then the Friday night, Friday, it really ramped up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, this is it. And we had the birth pool there and I called the doula cause we hired a doula cool. and I called the home birth midwife out. Cause I was like, I was, I was like off. I exhausted. don't like, it, yeah. I, well, I was exhausted, but I was also like on another planet. <laughs> it is like kind of going into this like weird time warp thing Mm -hmm. um and I just remember like she examined me and she was like yeah you're like two centimeters dilated and I was like you are kidding me I was like I can't like I genuinely I don't think I can like keep going like this if it's not progressing yeah so I ended up going into the birth center for some some I really didn't want to take any painkillers at this point but I was like I need something so I can rest so I can just get a bit of energy so I can kind of gear myself up for what's to come um so I went there um for a few hours and kind of managed to get a little bit of rest and then ended up like at that point I realized I was like I don't want a home birth I can't like I felt I realized I didn't feel Mm. safe yes I didn't like there was a part of me even though I'd done all the prep there was a part of me that didn't feel safe Mm -hmm. in that in that space and as soon as I I was like I let go of that I said I was even like to my husband was like I I don't even want to look at that birth pool like I don't want to see it yes Um, and as soon as I made like that kind of conscious decision I like felt this massive weight off of me that's amazing um and then it sort of twisted and turned in that 
at that point I was like well I'd really like to you know the birth center would be lovely like I that would be like my next choice but they wouldn't let me stay there because I wasn't dilated enough so I then had to on the way I was going home but um I hadn't felt as much movement so we, we decided to drop into the hospital mm. um, we're really lucky that we've got an amazing amazing um uh, like birth unit in the in our local hospital so like dropped in to see her to check that her movement was okay yeah and I basically didn't leave <laughs> so oh. and again like it was like as soon as I went into that environment even though it was the, the place I thought I'd feel the least safe yes yeah. something made me feel more comfortable being there mm-hmm. and then so things started to progress and I ended up I then ended up having an epidural <laughs> because mm-hmm. I was so exhausted at this yeah, point I, like, I don't think I'm going to be able to get through it yeah um had an epidural which then yeah like I've 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 recorded a whole episode on all of the mm-hmm. twists and turns but yeah, cool. the long and short of it was that yeah. um after having um after literally begging for a c-section at one point because I was like I just don't think I've got it in me um yes. the doctor was like oh I'm really pleased to say that you are 10 centimeters dilated mm-hmm. and you can start pushing in an hour and I was like oh I was like oh my god okay right and yeah and then that from that bit on was actually like the more straightforward bit I suppose yeah um and I mean in, as, in terms of the kind of I wouldn't I don't know if I describe it for me personally as the kind of meditative experience although mm-hmm. like I, it was definitely because it's such a it's obviously such a physical body experience Mm. but also I felt like I was on a complete different planet like I was I don't like it's almost like I don't remember certain bits but you know like I have a a visceral remember remembrance of them I have the same moments where Mm. and I'm like we have a video of it and it's like my eyes are like it's really creepy but my eyes are like rolling back in my head and I said to my mum though I said there was moments I don't remember I just remember all of a sudden I mean I don't know if it was because I was like super hot and maybe like I passed out for a second (laughs) you don't know but um I do remember like feeling the same that I was like I wasn't there but I also remember being in another place so I was like communicating with light beings and stuff while I was giving birth so Mm. I guess because I was my human self was quite fearful so I guess for me that's how I see it as a meditative experience because I kept seeing myself being afraid but I could come back into that other place but I guess Mm. because um but I think it's amazing how how you really trusted your intuition with with not having to stick to the plan because I think that's the thing some with birth um it's really important I think to recognize that it takes us into places that show us our fear and show us things that maybe make us feel unsafe so it's following that safety mm. net so you can you know animals birth like that right if they feel unsafe they stop and if they feel safe they're fine but that's amazing yeah, yeah. I mean I would take a lot like if there was to be another pregnancy and birth mm. uh, there's a lot that I would intend to do mm. differently yeah um based on like what I learned although mm. also completely open to every birth being individual um but I I understand like there is so much that I understand from what what I experienced and it wasn't it wasn't a 
I wouldn't say it was like a, a negative experience. Mm. I'm really proud of, I'm really proud of like how me and Sophia and my husband and like how yeah. we all work together as a team. Yeah. Um, but equally there are things that I had, I have had to like grieve and I yes. have had to allow myself to process. And still yeah. now I think, again, like if we're lucky enough to have another baby, um, I, I would still do a lot of, I would, I would, there would still need to be some healing done on mm-hmm. that, on the previous, on previous birth. birth. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think, yeah. I, and I, and I just don't honor that. And I just accept that, you know, it didn't, there were parts of it that I would have liked to have been different and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. I can still be really grateful that we, you know, we did, it, we, it came through the way it did and that yes. everyone was okay. And, yeah. and I'm not taking away from that at all, but also honoring the fact that, yeah, there are parts of it that I would, I would have liked to have been slightly different. Yeah. And I guess like for me, like I, I, if I look back, I did have a really positive birth. Like I know a lot of women would have loved to have experienced my birth, but at the same time, I remember coming out of it and there's video footage of me saying that as being like, I'm not doing that again. So it's like, <laughs> even though I had a beautiful birth, like birth is intense, you know, it's the one. And I think there's almost like there can be some sugar coating around birth. And it's almost like, well, I think even if you have a positive birth, it can still be a super intense, like you, it's like a marathon, right? You don't really, well, me personally, I've never run a marathon, but you wouldn't necessarily <laughs> want to do like so many of them in your lifetime. But you know, yeah, it, it is one of those things that is amazing to experience, but it is a very intense time. It yeah. is gritty and grueling yeah. and, and it takes everything out of you, it, mm-hmm. but you know, it's equally like incredible and powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, it's all the, it's all of the things. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, and I, and I do think there needs to be almost like a little bit more honesty around it. I, yeah. I was really, I'm really conscious of actually, of not like overly sharing, mm. you know, obviously in a situation like this is different, but mm. you know, like I, I really didn't want to hear that many people's birth stories beforehand yeah. because I didn't want to be particularly the negative ones. So mm-hmm. I didn't want that to be sewn into my, because, you know, yeah. everyone's ex- experience is different but equally I think there is still like it's still such a maybe it's just because everything is so unique to the individual and actually it's just so you almost can't put it into words really you can't and I think like comparison was a big one for me like I really witnessed that in myself in the early phases of birth like um I had I had watched a lot of birth stories and there's um, a show called My Māori Midwife here in New Zealand. And it's like, um, like, I don't know if you know who, what Māori's are, but they're the indigenous culture of New Zealand. And, um, and there was this beautiful birth that I watched on there. And I remember like being in labor and I said to Kevin at the time, I was like, oh my God, I'm making more noise than that girl. And then I was like, what are you doing? You're in labor. Like, stop trying mm. to compare. Like I was trying to like, really, I want this empowered birth. It needs to look this way. So it's almost mm. like that human self tries to sneak in. So it's just catching that thing. Like, no, you were just doing your yeah. own birth. Don't even think about that right now. It's just keep catching yourself and coming back to it. But I love that. Story. Yeah. For sharing. <laughs> yeah. So being a soulful biz coach and a creative yourself when it comes to the creation of things not babies and turning our creations into a business or of monetary value to support us in this lifetime 
or even trying to get back into creating after a break due to stress or misalignment, how would you recommend creators come back into alignment with that heart-centered love for creation instead of staying stuck in, say, creative's block or becoming overly focused on bringing in the money, which can often, I think, anyway, turn down the creative volume and can make creating less about pleasure and more about striving to create. How would you recommend we come back to that heart space? Hmm. Well, so I think something that's important to acknowledge is, you know, like talking about the money side of things and mm. the, the like financial support. I think it's really important to, again, it comes back down to like a lot of nervous system support work in that mm -hmm we have like fundamental needs and everyone's needs are going to be different in terms of finances and what makes them feel stable and what makes them feel secure. And I've, in my own experience, uh, my creativity has been stifled in the times where I feel too much uncertainty around money. Yeah. Um, and so what I've realized is that actually like for me personally, I need to have some levels of, of like, maybe a little bit more structured, supportive um, work, mm -hmm. whether that's part-time freelance work, whether that's like just a little bit more of a, um, like something that's a bit more consistent, like something that's maybe like subscription-based or whatever it is. Yeah. But in order to really access that like heart-centered way of doing business um, or the creative side of things, like I think it's really important to honor our needs for financial stability mm. and kind of know what we need as a baseline because mm -hmm. when we're when we are feeling safe and when we are feeling secure and rooted mm -hmm. then our creativity can come online mm -hmm. and then we can really truly like allow ourselves to follow the heart and I think we can you know particularly in the like spiritual world there's a mm. lot of conflict and controversy around you know, money and exchanging yes. money and things like that. And I think it's really, I think it's really important to, to just acknowledge that for the majority of us, money is very important mm -hmm. to, in order to feel a sense of safety. Yes. Um, and only when we feel really grounded, can we connect in with the heart? Because yeah. I, you know, I don't think, I think it's too vulnerable to connect yes. in with it when we're not feeling secure and grounded. So I think, like being really honest with yourself about what you need to feel mm. safe and mm. it might not be money for you it might be actually a certain amount of support from family and friends you might need to know that your like ideas are encouraged and um supported or you might need um there might be other other needs that you need to have met but mm. I think when we feel I think that's the first step to yes. be honest yeah and then you know and and heart-centered business and soulful business can look like anything you know mm -hmm. like it can look it can look just like weaving together you know like the way we communicate is is like much more from a compassionate place or with with other people more conscious I think just yeah. being more conscious of pe other people's nervous systems and other people's experiences and how they receive our work so mm. there's so many layers to it but I think my main thing is that as I've really realized is that when I feel safe and I feel secure and I feel grounded then my creativity comes alive that's cool I like that and I, and I guess like it really sung true, true to me like not 
putting pressure on yourself to be the creative and only the creative letting yourself be dynamic and and kind of create that safe space for yourself to mm. run and the safe the safe space can still be a creative outlet mm. it just might not you know like I think there's a lot of pressure and out there that you know unless you're all in with your creative heart-led business then you're you're doing it wrong or you you know you're failing yeah. or whatever and I just yeah. don't agree I don't agree with that like I've worked at different times I've I've like I've been a yoga teacher full time um, mm-hmm. and and like run my business from that. And then I've shifted to doing some more marketing, freelance marketing, whilst also doing like my workshops and my teaching mm-hmm. and my meditations on the side. And then I've kind of moved to and at one point I was predominantly doing freelance work for for other businesses. Yeah. And and then I shifted again. <laughs> so yeah. it's like allowing yourself the grace I think to 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 do things your own way to take time yeah Yeah, take your time with it like there's so much emphasis on like pushing and you've got to do it now but sometimes I think you know just because you're not able to take that big leap now doesn't mean that I'm I I would always want to encourage people to take the leap but I also want to encourage people to take the leap from a really rooted centered place (laughs) yeah with solid foundations and that's something I'm working on too like I I can be a bit of a theory but I do think um when I actually do create from that grounded place where I feel safe and stable you actually can birth with potency rather than birthing with just oh you know I I scraped this together like in a rush because I'm I'm not really Mm. grounded in my true essence so I think that's really powerful Mm. to go from that space that's yeah and asking yourself like am I creating from love or am I creating from fear yeah that's a really powerful like acknowledgement because so many times we are creating from a fear place or from a lack place of like I need to create something because I need to make some money and nine times out of ten when that's happened for me that that project or that offering has just like flopped yes and it's not given yeah. me what I needed whereas when I create from pure love and pure like a really genuine intent like excitement energy yeah then it just seems to flow so much more easily yeah and that that needs to yeah it's that connecting to that limitless pleasure again you know like connecting Mm. to the pleasure of creating rather than the force or the push of creating you know I think that's that's really really important Mm. I love staying in your own lane with it as well because there's so many people out there voices talking at you about (laughs) you have to do it this mm -hmm. way yeah and there's so much like you know you're not taking the big risks but the thing is if you if you do jump headfirst into said risk from a space that's ungrounded like you say it does flop so it's really important to make sure that you are using that intuitive guidance to know when is the right time to really take that leap from a space Mm. where you feel really grounded in your true essence and when you feel safe I think is like Mm. you say it's so important and we all need money to survive at the end of the day you know so it's trying to really uh, I mean some people it depends where your priorities are with money but um I think it's a a topic you know money and sex I always say is the two most taboo topics (laughs) yeah but they're the two most crucial um crucial topics to discuss because of that reason so I think it's it's very powerful to acknowledge that too 
Um, okay, something I know next to nothing about, but I'm super interested in knowing more about, as I'm sure are my listeners, is human design. I know this is a service you offer to your clientele. Could you fill us in on how human design can support your life and the way it works? Yes. Yeah, so human design, um, I, I kind of came across it years ago and it didn't really land for me at that time. Mm. Um, but a couple of oh, a couple of years ago now, um, it was actually when I was kind of in a bit of a rock bottom place, to be honest. I was I was really lost. Um, I was I was a kind of new mum. Um, mm-hmm. My business, I'd had to pretty much strip away everything about my business that it was before and like rebuild basically um Mm -hmm. because well for many different reasons but I kind of I human design found me again and I very much believe that like it's one of those things that arrives when you need it and if it speaks to you and you feel pulled towards it like you can just allow yourself to dive down the rabbit hole Mm -hmm. and And what it is, is um, it's the science of differentiation. So it's really about kind of our uniqueness and it kind of combines um, like ancient, ancient and modern sciences. Um, And you, you know, it works based on your birth chart, like an astrology reading would. Yeah, cool. Um, So you, you know, it, there is, um, you like when you put your details in and you can get that, you can find out what your um, find out your chart for free by just going to like either myhumandesign.com or mybodygraph.com mm-hmm. I think it is um, and um, it basically gives you the way I see it it's like it's like a sort of soul blueprint I suppose yeah. um, it kind of map gives you almost like a map of your strengths um, of the places where you can learn the most wisdom of uh, the places where you might be more susceptible for conditioning mm-hmm. um, it shows you like there are so many layers to it but it, yeah. you know the, the the very foundation is your energy type and there are five different energy types and each energy type is designed to kind of show up in a different way and what I think is so powerful is that when you know what your human design type is mm. um, you can start looking at the way you like you the way you um take action in your life and the way you communicate with other people and the relationships in your work and Mm. all parts of yourself um with a different lens and for me so I'm a manifesting generator Mm -hmm. um and that means I am like I am the definition of multi-passionate yeah Um, like and I'm a pivoter and I'm like you know and for years and years and years I had really beaten myself up about being fickle like this was a story I was telling myself because I was I went in the in the space of five years I like sold my PR and marketing business I became a health coach I then became a yoga teacher a meditation teacher I then Mm -hmm. kind of went back to the business coaching and then I went back to like doing womb work and Mm -hmm. like I was just literally like all over the place yeah um and I would be like, why can't I stick at anything? Like, what? Mm-hmm. And, and what I realized is when I found out, like, I was a manifesting generator, I was like, oh, I'm actually supposed to do this. Like, I have yeah. to be excited by something. Otherwise, it completely drains me and depletes me. So yes. for me, human design is kind of like has signposted me. And it's like my, my anchor now. Mm-hmm. The more I dive into it, the more I understand more and the more studying I've done. Mm. and now like I'm reading for other people which I just adore because it there's not one person that's come to me that hasn't gone like almost like this big sigh of relief like oh yeah that makes so much sense like now I can see why 
that is what feels intuitive. Mm. It's like a remembering. Yeah. Like that's what I feel like. It's not, I'm not giving anybody new information. Yeah. I'm just reminding them of their innate way of being. And when you have that reflected to you, mm. it's just like, oh, like, I can finally just allow myself to be who I know I am. Yeah. But the world has tried to tell me that I need to do it this way or I need to do it that way. So yeah. Yeah. It's been huge. It's, I would say it's probably been the biggest game changer for awesome. me in my business. Mm. Um, and it's taken me to places I didn't even, couldn't even imagine. <laughs> I love that. So it's almost like um, a modality to help people step out of the box that we've been taught to sit in really, isn't it? It's teaching yeah. you to like, uh, just another way to come home to the self. I love that. That's exactly. Awesome. I would definitely yeah. have to look into it more. That's so mm. cool. Do you know what your energy type is? I think I did it once ages ago. I think I was a generator from memory but I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to do it again and check into it because I'm pretty sure that's what I was but yeah mm. if there's a spark of curiosity then is yeah like I, I feel like it just what finds you talked you when about you was it. really was really resonant with me I've been very you know a lot of my my mum and dad always used to call me like a grasshopper like I'm always like oh I'm gonna try this now and I'm gonna go mm-hmm. here and I'm gonna and travel for me it was like oh no I'm bored now I need to go here and I need to go I I froth of finding the exciting things I just kind of feel like mm. I definitely feel feel similar to that sense that I'm like there's no point living if it's not exciting <laughs> it's got to light you up and that's exactly yeah. how like if you if you are a generator and manifesting yeah. generator as well like that yeah. is how you are designed to yeah. um to fuel yourself and fuel others is by following what lights you up and what excites you so yeah anything that gives you that like and it's a it's a very physical like it's often a very physical feeling mm-hmm. it's like before the head gets involved it's like a body yes. kind of almost like a magnetic pull like oh my god I've got to do this like a full yeah. body yes absolutely <laughs> and I'm so like that with everything definitely um I love that though it just like fills your life with passion that's great um, so when it comes to intimacy and sexual experiences, navigating it as a mother can be completely different for everyone. As or has the way you feel called to connect intimately and sexually changed since becoming a mother? What are your favorite intimacy practices at the moment, if you have any? <laughs> hmm. Oh, again, this is like a whole nother podcast. This is like oh, a whole I know. episode this is like on a this. huge topic. <laughs> um, We'll have to yeah, do another I mean, one. To, yeah, to be honest, it's been, um, it's still, I've, I would say I'm still navigating it. Um, yeah. I'm still navigating, like, there's so many things change. And I, you know, I um, I think th- things like, like mentally and mm-hmm. um, like, I think I find, I found it really difficult to switch out of like mother Mm-hmm. mode yeah. and into like sexual being yes. mode <laughs> yeah um and so oftentimes it's easier just to avoid that yes um because it is hard like I've definitely found like I've had to do a, a lot of embodiment yeah a lot of embodiment practices to take mm-hmm. me out of my head yeah um and I would not say I've like completely at all nailed that at all. Yeah. Um, it's definitely like an ongoing process for me and, and mm-hmm. healing. And I think also like I, I did have quite um, 
a lot of tearing yes like quite yeah. graphic yeah quite a lot of tearing in my birth and so it was it took quite a long time to get my confidence yes um, yeah. back in my body physically like not mm-hmm. I, I never have had an issue with like what my body looks like in terms of like my size or anything like that like that mm. wasn't it was but it was just the it was I it's a it, I felt really vulnerable yeah um because of like stitching and scar tissue and yes. you know like it's, it's not sexy let's yes. be honest like yeah. all of that stuff but um so I think for me it's just it was like honoring and understanding and coming back to all that I know, knew about the female body yeah. and like reminding myself of mm-hmm. like how how I needed to nurture myself and how yeah. I needed to be gentle and how I needed extra time yes. and I think just also like really being honest and open communication yeah with my husband has been like really important around so that important. and we're, we're definitely still kind of navigating that to a point I suppose mainly from the mental side of things Mm because it is just really tough like I was you know even saying to a friend I was like um even just like the time of day matters because like at the end of the day it's like especially if you've been like looking after a child all day um Mm -hmm. and you are kind of wanting you know, like somebody wants something else of you. Yes. Like it can, it can bring up a lot. It can bring yeah. up a lot. So Absolutely. I think just honoring all of the feelings is important. And in terms of like intimacy practices, um, well, I think for me, it's just been around like, yeah, just, just really slowing down and my mm-hmm. breath and gentleness and just making sure that I am doing a lot of embodiment practices like coming back to my yoga mat and like in in all other areas of my life Mm -hmm. being in my body so that I'm constantly anchoring into that rather than there's not like a specific practice I definitely have found um at times like the my I uh, like crystal wand has been really was really helpful at the beginning to kind of just um get my confidence back I suppose yes yeah um yeah, yeah, but um, I think the main thing has really been about getting out of my head. I agree. I think um, for most women, it's definitely a mind game, isn't it? And I think, like, it's really interesting because I think I'm just reading. I think I was originally going to ask you a question about pussy phobia, but then I didn't for some reason. But it's interesting that we've brought it up anyway. So I talk, I call it pussy phobia, but um, it's pretty much what you were describing, and. I, even though I had very minimal tearing, I still had it come up after I gave birth. And it's almost like for me, it was, you know, the stories that we've been told as women as well, I think really affected um, the way I felt mentally um, when mm. I was trying to be sexual or even just intimate. It was like the story would replay in my mind, like, oh, because I had one particular male friend when before I lot years and years before I gave birth who made this comment and I had to work through it during pregnancy and birth and he had said oh you know I don't want to see my missus give birth because it's my plaything getting destroyed and I had to really <laughs> like like you know that disgusting derogatory like um mentality around the feminine and I just really had to like reprogram myself and be like no that's 
that's not true that's not true you know blah 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 um so it's yeah it's like you say it's a huge mind game it's being gentle with ourselves and witnessing what's coming up for us and I think I totally agree not forcing ourselves before we're ready because that's when we cause ourselves Mm. more more trauma in a sense I think when we force ourselves before we're ready that's really powerful Mm. Um, yeah yeah, yeah. It's amazing so um talking about pleasure ones when it comes to the topic of mothering and sex or self-pleasure there can be such a stigma and even guilt or shame that comes up with the idea that both can be a huge part of one's life we do not have to choose one or the other I feel this can often be because of the blogs we have rise after being placed in a box like I said like the stories told for told to us about what a mother should look like especially when it comes to sexuality um and for centuries as women um I know this has been an issue and this personally terrified me when I fell pregnant as I worked through the idea that I could still be sexual and be pregnant or a mother um And I love your rawness and your focus on acknowledging that we are multidimensional beings. So what's your take on this? How can we work to let go of the taboos or break away from the boxes that society and humans have placed around becoming a mother, especially when it comes to the expression of our sexual self? Mm. (laughs) Oh, I don't, I mean, I think for me, like I was really lucky in some ways because I was doing my sex, love and relationship coaching certification. That's why I asked through. (laughs) Yeah, through. And I was pregnant at the time. Yeah. Um, and so I felt like I was like being kind of coached through all of those old stories. That's amazing. In pregnancy, which Mm -hmm. then helped me in like once once I became a mother but I mean not saying that I didn't have those concerns and stuff but in all honesty like I think I did so much work around that topic of Mm. actually looking at all these beliefs and looking at um how I wanted to show up and Mm. be um you know be still still feel connected to my sexuality yes as a mother I feel like that it was like prep it was the prep I think it was Mm -hmm. like I had to be to I had to almost be willing to look at all of that beforehand yeah Yeah. um and that's maybe something that you know people can look at during you know pregnancy and Mm. um looking look at before before you get to to being like actually being the mother um but I, I mean, it is, I, th- I think it's not even just around sexuality. Like there is just conditioning and cultural expectations uh-huh. and like, you know, what we're supposed to show up as, as a mother in every yeah. area, you know, like the way we're supposed to parent and the way we're supposed to show up and like either, you know, like be either like, I, I find this in sort of running a business and being a mom, you know, like there's always so many polarizations yes um there's so many opposites there's so many places where it's like we're almost told we can't be we have to choose one thing and we can't have like can't have a a a medley of all of it um yeah and I think because like you know I've just I'm just studying tantra at the moment and you know like sexual energy is so important for our vitality but Mm. the thing is if we are being put into the box of motherhood which we know I mean I'm quite feminist and I know that you talk about motherhood a lot 
when there's all these expectations and the mother is overloaded with work and is carrying too much of the load, how are we meant to feel sexual? Because that's our life Mm. force energy. That's our vitality. If we have no vital energy left, we're not going to be able to connect to that. So it's really about nurturing ourselves, I think, isn't it? I agree. And I think that um, like the sexual energy is almost like the last thing to fill up in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of like, that there's there's so much other stuff that gets prioritized before that so that is always yeah. going to be like almost at the bottom of the bottom mm-hmm. of the list in some ways because when you are like and this is part of the problem I think in mm. like our societies is that mothers are depleted yes. mothers are empty mm-hmm. and for for many different reasons and like the jits is just almost too many reasons to go into and just yeah, yeah. one podcast but um I think the fundamental issue is that like there is this very almost like sacrificial belief like this belief mm-hmm. that we have to sacrifice our whole selves to be yeah. a mother yeah and and that ends up depleting us completely so we have not only do we not have the energy to have sex or to have mm. intimacy but we don't have the energy to to feed ourselves properly mm-hmm. or to to get you know to yeah to like not to even want the sofa to. Yeah, yeah to, to even to want, want to do to. Yeah, yeah or go for a walk or like anything so like I think there's just so many layers to it that yeah need to be like Unfilled. oh it's just Unpicked. unraveled and <laughs> yeah and I think it's also like I don't know um putting the practices in place like say it's say it's something you want to reconnect to as your sexual self and self-pleasure and sex I think it's recognizing again that sex is a holistic um thing it's not just about sex ever and it's about putting things in place like for me I've just put sky into childcare two mornings a week so I can do my work which fills me up which makes Mm -hmm. me feel more sexual and I want to be self-pleasuring and stuff um which before like you know I've I have as a mother like gone for very long periods of time like not orgasming not self-pleasuring not being sexual and then I will have bouts where I'm like okay I feel better now so I have the time and the want and the desire to and I think also like it's just important to put those practices in place that even if it feels a little bit selfish I think there's always going to be an element of mum guilt you know because I think Mm -hmm. we've been put these ideas in our head that we have to be the main person for our child 24 7 and that you know we should be if we're not working we should be doing this but it's like we work 24 hours a day with a child and it's you know we all know that it's um undervalued but yeah I think exactly that it's it's never about the sex it's about all the other things that come with motherhood but um Mm. we have to be I think yeah we've had we have to we have to be the thing is no one else is going to choose us other than yeah. ourselves like yeah. I think that's something to like no one's going to turn around and say you you know okay some people might be like oh yeah go on on a spa day or whatever yeah but like no one's going to say go and do um a half hour restorative yoga practice or no. go and do a meditation like you have to choose yourself and ultimately yeah. what I think is you know again it's like underneath all of that is like mm. is this lack of um self-worth and like feeling like we're not worthy of taking that time for ourselves and I still have to daily like work through those old programs Mm -hmm. to get myself to the mat or to go and do 
a practice that is really nourishing. And I think it's like we we have to we have to choose ourselves. Yeah. Otherwise, it won't happen and we will end up exhausted and burnt out and yes. completely resentful. And all of those things are like the opposite of what's going to make you feel remotely sexual like resentment and frustration Mm -hmm. and that stagnancy and no energy like all of that is is not conducive to like a healthy sexual energy and like not a healthy um sexual dynamic I think as well you know like well for me personally anyway when I'm exhausted when I've been giving to everyone every day I don't want to give sexually to another person like yeah I'm all for like receiving to be honest Mm. but I'm not so much like oh I feel like doing this for you you know it's not it's not so much like I feel like really nurturing you sexually I've been nurturing someone all day like in other ways but I think it's recognizing the link that if other mothers are feeling that way that it is normal it's you know we are feeling the same as a mother it's trying yeah, to find the balance absolutely. You know? absolutely, and yeah, yeah that it's it's learning to kind of as you say choose ourselves and finding the snippets of time when we can pop up and do like a meditation mm. to because all those things accumulate to us wanting to be intimate with ourselves and intimate with other people but it's not it's not a quick fix it's a it's, it's also a devotion it is it is what I was going to say it's like it's a it's a proactive approach as well like you can't get to the point of like well you you know what happens often is you get to the point of complete depletion yeah and then you're like okay now I need to go and look after myself but actually it's in the it's in the micro moments and the daily practicing and the devotion and showing up for yourself consistently and then suddenly after a couple of months of doing that you're like oh I actually do have more energy and I actually do have more desire or I do Mm -hmm. feel like a little bit more um I feel like things are awakening a bit more because you're like it's you you're topping yourself up consistently rather than waiting till you're totally empty and then to refill yourself Mm -hmm. is going to take a massive amount yeah whereas if you can like take 10 minutes here or five minutes there or you know like even just like little things like just touching your skin and stroke like little moments of like little tiny pieces of pleasure like filling yourself up with that like it doesn't have to be a big a big elaborate practice like snippets fill yourself up with as much and also like I was just gonna say you know like a spa day doesn't cut it mate like you know no no spa spa day is not gonna (laughs) fill my cup you know and as you say it's exactly that it's like for me I like I really struggled stepping into motherhood and I think it was only when I really devoted myself to not sitting on my phone when my son was having a nap, just going and taking myself for five minutes to have a meditation or 10 minutes or whatever. It's only when I really started to get back into my spiritual practices or whatever you want to call it, that I saw shifts within myself. And like you say, it's recognizing that it's a long-term thing. There's no quick fixes in this. It's Mm. supporting ourselves out of that. So that's great. I love that. Um, So, and this is my last question for you. What are some of the pleasure practices in your life? We've probably covered a lot of this, but how do you, or in what ways do you embody pleasure of any kind? Mm, it's in the little moments to be honest yeah um and it's not necessarily like yeah it's 
it's not necessarily sexual pleasure no mm. so to speak it's more just like little moments of pleasure like as much as possible like I was just saying sort of like filling myself up with those little micro moments so yeah. for me those things are like using like massage like putting my facial oil on massaging my face when I do it mm-hmm. um having like a hot shower on my own yes like doing some oh doing some like really juicy wiggly yoga mm-hmm. um like moving my hips like even just like dance like a five minute dance um breathing fresh air being out in nature mm-hmm. like just sitting and savoring like my like a piece of chocolate yes. like just it's in it's in the micro moments to be honest I feel like there are just so many things and even just like one of my favorite things to do is to sit in um a yoga position called um Badakanasana with my soles of my feet together knees out wide and mm-hmm. massage my my feet like yes, so I actually like massage like the arches and the toes and like just spend some time like touching my own body massaging mm-hmm. my own body um and you can do that like I mean, not anywhere, obviously, but, you know, even even your hand, you can yeah. kind of just find those parts of you that just need to be loved. Yeah, I love that. And that also like encourages more self-awareness because I think mm. if, when we're rushing, rushing, rushing that we don't remember, oh, my, my hand's really tired, you know, like it's yeah. just like weird little things that I think, you know, we think of, but pre-awakening, I don't think I did. You know, I didn't really think about these little these little snippets of juicy pleasure times Mm. that we could be making the most of (laughs) I think I think motherhood's given me that to be honest because I used to do like I you know I used to have time to do like a two-hour practice and Mm -hmm. do everything and anything I wanted to whereas the reality is like I don't have those big I do Mm -hmm. occasionally have those times but actually if I waited for those times I wouldn't you never do accumulate mm. no I wouldn't get the accumulative benefits of actually yeah. like daily probably 10 or 15 times a day I'm doing something little mm-hmm. like that that just gradually tops up and yes I, I think that's I think it's really underrated those little micro moments to yeah. be honest and I totally agree I think if motherhood's taught me anything it's about being intentional with my time because we have very limited mm. time <laughs> Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely. I love all those, love all those practices. That's amazing. And um, so do you have any final words of wisdom that you want to share at all? Oh, I mean, I think we've covered lots. I we think have. there's just so there's so many different like directions I could talk about. I could talk about this stuff for for ages. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> but I think it's just, I think it just comes down to um yeah that like choosing ourselves yes in, yeah. and whether it's whether you're you know it's motherhood or you're not you know you're not there or you're not intending to be there it's like just choosing ourselves over and over again mm-hmm. um you know and and when we get lost and forget to choose ourselves like anchoring back to choosing ourselves like yeah. I think it's a constant practice like daily minute by minute so absolutely um yeah it's a wild ride (laughs) yes it is it's a practice that's for sure it's a practice for a reason (laughs) Mm, because we're practicing it aren't we and how can um listeners contact you and work with you I will put all your details in the show notes as well but just if you could share that would be amazing well I kind of hang out in two spaces really because I have my 
kind of sacred business studio which is called the heartwork studio and mm-hmm. that's um I have a website and then I'm the heart at the heartwork studio on Instagram um and then my kind of the space I share more about motherhood and my podcast and you know whatever else is coming up and more yeah. of the kind of um healing coaching side of things is um at Lauren Sarah Barber on Instagram and laurenbarber.co on mm-hmm line on my website so um yeah so kind of either of those routes depending on what maybe sparks your curiosity but I always love to hear from people and you know love a love a dm conversation about Mm -hmm. something that's maybe sparked the curiosity so yeah awesome well thank you so much for coming on lauren it's been an amazing chat and yeah I will speak to you soon, I'm sure. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's been an honor. Awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Cosmic Pleasure Podcast today, babes. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love if you would support my message mission by subscribing and reviewing my podcast. If you would like to follow my work, you can find me on social media at IamAmyD. Or you can check out my website, amydintuitive.com. I hope to connect with you soon and I'm sending you so much love.